Hello, this is Saya and this is Hearsay. Thanks so much for listening. My guest today is my friend Brent Griffin, or Spod, as many of you would know him by. He's been mentioned several times on this podcast. He's hilarious, talented in many fields, such as performing, making music, video making, producing, drawing. He's done one of the drawings for this podcast, actually, for Ben Salter. And even jerky making, uh, Griffin Jerky, check it out. Brent and I have known each other a very long time, and this is a long interview because we had a lot to cover and because we get sidetracked quite a bit. Um, but I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I always love talking to Brent. This drawing of uh, Brent's strange music story is by the fantastic Miles Heskett. Miles is a beautiful artist and also a great friend of both mine and Brent's, and he's really captured this moment. He absolutely nailed it. Um, you can see more of his work on Instagram at Milesket, which is at M-Y-L-E-S-K-E-T-T, and you can find links to his other pages there as well. Uh, remember, you can see all of the Hearsay pictures on Instagram by following me at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. It's beginning to be a pretty phenomenal collection of artwork, so I'm very grateful. Uh, double digits, Hearsay, number 10, Brent Griffin, Spod. <laughs> Oh, hi, Saya. How are you doing? Yeah, good. We haven't been talking for ages already. No, no. This is... I just answered the phone. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Saya. Oh, hi. Oh, I know you. How are you doing? <laughs> Normally don't answer the phone. I know. You hate the phone. I'm sorry we have to do this. Well, this doesn't feel like the phone because I'm looking at a computer. Yeah, same. So it's kind of all right. I'm not touching a phone. Yeah. Oh, is that the problem you have with the phone? Yeah. I just hate touching it. Yeah, fair germs, enough. Germs, you know. <laughs> Your own germs. <laughs> No, the I I found out that the phone thing's an actual anxiety. Like it's everything's got a a thing. Yeah, but yeah. It's, um, yeah. Apparently, it's it's got a name and stuff. Ah. So it's it's real. It's legit. It, it's mainly just because I'm terrified of doing anything. But aside yeah. from that, it's uh. It's... You don't want to be given jobs. <laughs> yeah, phones <laughs> are given jobs are being told something's wrong. Yeah. There's only two <laughs> things that happen on phones. I should call you with nicer messages more often. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how you doing? Uh, no, yeah, no, just weather's great. Just thought I'd call you. I just re- I just wanted to tell you I think you're really great. All right, bye. <laughs> oh, something must be really fucked. Say so he's lost it. <laughs> she's just being nice on the phone. I'm just like, oh, I got to fly to Brisbane. I think she's in trouble. I think it's a, a secret message. There's so, I think it's such a layered thing. Like there's the terror, but then there's also the thing of like, Oh, I just don't know how long this is gonna take. Yeah, and um, and I w- It even doesn't matter if I've got nothing else on, and no plans. I'm just like, oh, but then what if I have to do something? Yeah, then all you have to do is hang up the phone. <laughs> As I'm saying it, it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> no, but I know the feeling know when you, you see the phone ringing and you're just like, oh, like I know I've got to drive somewhere in like 15 minutes and yeah. I'm gonna forget about it because I'm terrible with 
time. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm terrible <laughs> with time. Or just organising anything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much organising absolutely anything I'm garbage at. That reminds me of one of my favourite memories of you. There's so many, but one of my favourite memories was when we went on tour together. It was Spod, I had Hiroshima and Sekiden. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the tour, I had Hiroshima and Sekiden drove from Sydney to Brisbane and we left the second car with you to return that oh, that afternoon. But you incidentally yeah. had just bought a new synthesizer <laughs> and you <laughs> and you'd completely forgot to return the car. <laughs> and I remember in For like the, a few days, right? Yeah. I remember that getting the call while we, Mirko actually got the call. And oh, he was like, oh, Of all no, the people that- you're gonna disappoint. <laughs> Fucking Mirko. Like that that car should have been returned today. And they're like, nah, we didn't get it. And we're like, uh oh. <laughs> Brent Crap. Brent went into the synth zone. <laughs> yeah. Mirko is Sayer's brother and he's a very organized and lovely man. The most organized man. Fuck. I totally yeah. forgot about that. Thanks yeah. for bringing up yeah, that sorry. haunting me. <laughs> no, it was it was really funny. I mean we all we all had a good laugh and paid an extra hundred bucks and it was all fine. <laughs> Did I, I? I covered it, right? Please tell me. I think I so. Yeah, I don't remember oh. that, but I'm sure you didn't. It was fine. And we I still really love you. We I still did. love you. <laughs> yeah, good. Oh, man, I get away with a lot of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually going to start the podcast with um, telling everyone my first memory of you because I feel like that would set the scene for, um, you know, letting people know what kind of performer you are. All right, great. And just and just what what presence you had and have. Uh, so it was back in I don't know. May, I feel like it was maybe two thousand and maybe two thousand or nineteen ninety nine was when we first met. Is that right? Yeah, and it that, was that'd be about right. Uh, was Sekiden released uh, our first album, and we had an album launch in Brisbane at this venue called the Healer, uh, which was this um, old church sort of cool ex blues bar or something. Um, and our, the record got released through Redline, which is Jebediah's label and, uh, Heath Bradby, Jebediah's manager, he was saying to us, you got to check out this guy, Spod. He's amazing. And I remember all of us were like, yeah, what is Spod? (laughs) Like, is it, (laughs) what, what is it? And, uh, and he was like, just trust me. He's amazing. He's hilarious. And at that time you had a really... 90s website that was just bright pink with heaps of oh, like yeah. scorpions and stuff. Oh, that was that was um, a really good website. Yeah, it was really good. And I remember, yeah, looking at the website, still couldn't quite figure out what spot it was. was. The 90s. Yeah, uh, it, it was, was the 90s. It was just really timely. Yeah. It was just, that was a really current website. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and I remember like not really, <laughs> not really being able to figure out what spot was from that. Um, yeah, pretty pretty obtuse stuff. And then yeah, and then we met you briefly at Soundcheck, and and you d- were just this really sort of quiet, humble, nice guy, pretty shy. Um, and I, but you know we we got along pretty well. But I don't think we were sort of we we talked that much. And then uh, while you played, I was sort of watching. And I was completely just my mind was completely blown because. You would. <laughs> it was only solo. You didn't have any dances at that point, but you just like tore up the place completely. You were just like in people's faces, 
and I remember like turning around to, I think maybe it was Mirko and I was like, what the fuck? This is amazing. And by the time <laughs> I turned back, you weren't wearing any pants. <laughs> <laughs> you'd had like those, like you'd had little shorts um, underneath you. Just, apparently you had stripper pants on that just like flew off. Yeah, I had those cool, like, uh, they were like fake Adidas rip-off pants. Uh, yeah. They only lasted about a year because I, I, every time I'd play, I'd throw them and lose them. Yeah. And then I'd have to buy another pair. Yeah. And they, <laughs> you know, they were like 15 bucks a pop. Yeah, that's pretty. You know? That's a that's an overhead. That adds up. Um, that's kind of more than I'm making on most of those yeah. shows. Uh, anyway, that, I just wanted to tell that. I remember that just completely blowing my mind and I feel like we've been best mates ever since. Yeah, I think I think that sort of set us on the right track. Because I remember that show. I remember waiting around and sort of like, I was a big fan of Sekadon. And I was super excited. I'm like, oh, yeah, Sekadon, wow. Like, I remember when we first started Spod a few years earlier, I was like, man, if we could just play with Sekadon, that somehow makes sense to me. Because oh. you were pretty much the only band doing like an upbeat, kind of fun, synth kind of based sound. Like everyone else is kind of... I know spider bait and all that kind of shit was all still like really rock focused. Regurgitator were doing some cool electronic stuff. But yeah, no one was really doing it. It was like either dance music or rock music. Yeah, I remember guys, that time too. Yeah, and you guys were like a rock band, but with all the sounds that I wanted to hear. I remember just being so amped about it and going up because, yeah, I was touring completely by myself. Just being so terrified of everyone. Just like, oh, man. <laughs> everyone knows I'm a fucking phony. <laughs> no way. You're <laughs> just like blowing carrying minds. Around. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I think I might have had my full DAT machine back then, like a huge DAT deck that I'd tour with. Yeah, yeah. I don't and, remember uh, that, but I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. Or it might have been when I got my first iPod. I can't remember. But, um, I just, yeah, I kind of remember looking out and there, there was, was there like an upstairs section to yeah, that? Yeah, there was. Yeah, I think most people were up there and I kind of need people in front. But there were people around, I think. I can't I can't remember. I can just remember looking up and seeing people at the top just kind of like, come down here, you pricks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't do anything with you up there. <laughs> yeah, because the bar was up there. That was it. There was like a second story with a bar. All right. Um, I, I take it back. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go back to... You know, I I try and sort of get a sense of um, why people started playing music. Did you do you remember like having music around when you were young? Not at all. Like when I was growing up, my parents really had zero sort of engagement with music. About wow. the the closest thing that we had was when I was born. The year I was born, my parents bought like a record player and an amp, which I still have. Yeah, but they only had like about. 10 records one of them was like the you know those Beatles compilations they're looking down from yeah yeah the balcony they had those and they had this Mandingo record and then maybe a couple of other things but that was it I think they just bought records just to like oh we'll put these on when people come around for drinks yeah because our house had like a full bar in it and stuff wow. it was pretty sick yeah but I think uh yeah they never really partied though it was just uh just for show but um <laughs> yeah so I remember they sort of had records around but they will never put them on can't remember who got me into sort of music and stuff or what triggered the idea of being a like a music kind of fan actually it's my sisters my sisters were really into like um sort of ah oh, what was it like uh, uh Fleetwood Mac and all that kind of stuff okay so I grew up kind of hating that music but actually loving it and just I just hated them yeah <laughs> and I, I blame the music for it yeah 
but yeah, so like there's Fleetwood Mac and all that kind of stuff, and uh, Meatloaf, which I still I'm terrified of Bad Out of Hell. That, <laughs> that album cover scares me so much, but I think it sort of it really triggered my love for fantasy art album covers. Yeah. Yeah, that does look like a big inspiration now that I think about it. Yeah, I never really realised it until like not that long ago when I was got that record out and I was like, ah, oh. the fact, like easily the most terrifying thing to me for most of my life is that cover because it's like, you know, flying out of a grave with a dude and a motorbike yeah. and a horse head on it. It's like fucking it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. God, I scared the shit out of me. And Xanadu. <laughs> Xanadu yeah. inside it there's like a, a Olivia Newton-John and the face is covered with like a, a see-through red scarf or That's something right and yeah, it's like a pink scarf freaky. and a blue background which I guess all the I'm actually figuring out I'm putting the keys putting the key in the lock <laughs> <laughs> all and these the things in the scary oh. album cover lock oh, <laughs> oh what's going on is this a therapy session this is incredible <laughs> but uh yeah it was my sister's so they'll be playing music and stuff. Oh, Radiators, Give Me Head. Yeah. That was like one of the first songs that I, I loved. And I remember sitting, asking my sisters what uh, Give Me Head means. And they <laughs> were like giggling for like a whole afternoon. Oh. And they sat down, like my sister and her best friend Lisa sat down. And the way they explained it to me, I was like maybe six, maybe seven. They were like Whoa. nine or ten. But, you know, they were definitely given head jobs. And, uh, <laughs> they totally and they knew were, what it was <laughs> Oh, they were just like, how are we going to tell this baby What giving a head job is He really wants to know So we better tell him <laughs> um, Yeah, so like they sat down and one said It's, and then the other one said When a Whoa. girl Blah, blah, blah And so I found out And I was just like, why would anyone ever want to put that in their mouth? <laughs> Like this little wet thing. It's just shit. Like, I don't get it. But it's a cool song, so who cares? That's the most amazing way to find out, like, one word at a time from two, two ten-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, because then, like, neither of them have told you what a head job is. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. So they, they don't have to have the guilt. Wow. That's really Pretty clever. weird. Yeah. They're, sm- they're smart chicks. <laughs> so I found out what a head job was, and I was pretty stoked. <laughs> Bit confused. Then, um, oh, completely just mind wrecked. I'm still not sure I got my head around it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like it was. I think it was, and then I, I was just kind of on my on a little search from there. I got really into um Dire Straits and uh, In Excess and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I hit high school, and my friend gave me a a tape, like a Black Flag kind of mixtape. Oh wow! Well, it was Black Flag Descendants. Uh, Dead Kennedys, Exploited, Wow, uh, Gangrene, like all these sick, like punk bands. Punk bands. So that's and a huge departure from from like Dire Straits and In Excess and stuff. Yeah, that's a one year change. Like from year six, I was just like fucking Dire Straits, Australian Crawl, really into the smooth, smooth sounds of adult rock. Yeah, and then um. <clears throat> yeah, I just dove straight into being being a kid after that, which is uh, a lot more fun. Awesome. Like, oh, man, this is heaps better. Yeah. <laughs> this oh, makes oh, me feel oh, alive. Yeah, I don't feel, I don't feel like a dad anymore. This is insane. <laughs> and was that when, you, when like, um, License to Ill came out and stuff? Or was that a bit later? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was later that, that same year. So I found out about all punk rock and stuff. I'm like, man, this is so exciting. And then later that year, I think, License to Will came out. 
And I found out about that because I was into Run DMC and my friend was like, if you like that, you should listen to this. And then, yeah, he um put that record on and it just wrecked me. That yeah. was, it kind of changed everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, then I, I made my mum go to Kmart and buy me that on, that's when you could buy vinyl at Kmart. Wow. You'd walk in at Kmart and they had the top 20 vinyl releases. Wow, it's so like, hard to imagine now. Yeah, so weird. But it was like you walk in, it was just, yeah, this huge display. And I just walked up, grabbed that, and mum just rolled her eyes and went, shit. <laughs> this is, is going to be a Shit's nightmare. It's going to get heavy. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then from there I was obsessed with rap and that's kind and of And were it. you writing any of your own raps back then? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, me and my friends used to try and do raps and also like had a fake radio show that we would record onto tape. And uh, I found some of them and they're just terrifying. And oh. I couldn't figure out which one I was, but I was the, the one that sounded like a girl with a, with, with a block <laughs> nose. <laughs> and my friend is the one who just sounded like a girl. And I was like, wow. Like, I honestly just thought, no, this must be my sister's for ages. And I heard something that triggered, I couldn't remember it, but it triggered this deep reaction within me. It's like, that is so something I would say as a 12-year-old pupilist idiot. That's so cute. Well, we were just, it was, I think it was called uh, the Comedy Zone or something. So we thought it was a heaps funny radio show. Yeah. And it was the least funny thing I've ever listened to. It's, <laughs> it's disgusting. Then halfway through it would have like rap breaks where Aww. one person would just scratch like Fleetwood Mac and then the <laughs> other person would try and make up raps. And it was just the worst, absolute worst thing you've ever heard. That sounds but really cool. <laughs> It was pretty. We, I can remember the feeling of it, and I was yeah, like, "Fuck!" You felt this is cool. Like, I'm a bit. I'm. Ba- this is how the Beastie Boys started. <laughs> they probably did. <laughs> yeah, well, they kind of did because yeah. we did. We used to also do things where we'd take a, a beat from a like an iced tea. Me and my friend Daniel used to do this, where we'd li- get listen to iced tea songs and stuff, whatever we could get a, a clean beat on, then record it to one tape rewind it and then record it again and record it again oh yeah so it would make like a looped beat kind yep. of thing yeah yeah but then we'll wow, like that's that's effort yeah like i think yeah like it's like a pause because i watched a beastie boys thing and they had a name for it like pause dubbing or something i don't know yeah but you would do these funny little loops but then we'll try and like drop in little samples and i wish i could find this tape because we did this <laughs> iced tea one where it was just him saying Suck my motherfucking dick, 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 dick. Suck my dick, motherfucking suck my motherfucking dick, 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 dick. For fucking like a whole tape. And I remember just thinking, this is it. This is the greatest thing I've ever been involved with. It kind of doesn't. It's not that far from what you do now. That's the thing. Like, I, I didn't realise how... Because I always go, oh, I didn't really start writing music till I was, like, 21. But I didn't realise how much I... Uh, I just... I started when I was, like, 12, and yeah. that's pretty much all I've ever done. <laughs> the exact same so thing. It's so good, though. Yeah, just, like, just talk about my dick. Yeah, it's like perfect. the next 80 years. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you'll still be talking about your dick when you're 70? <laughs> oh, for sure. I'll be talking about the good old days. Back when the dick used to do stuff. <laughs> um, so, when, so you started like writing these um, silly little raps with your friends when you were 12. Yeah. And then, um, so when did you start thinking you wanted to perform music? 
Well, not because I know, like, I, I never really had the idea that I could. I just didn't think that was a, like, it was sort of people in America can do raps and, you know, do punk music and people in Australia, uh, uh, Jimmy Barnes, and I just didn't sure. want, I, you know, there was no access to it. Yeah. It was like, and I I lived out in the sort of uh, northern suburbs of Sydney, northwestern suburbs. And it was just, yeah, like, I, I grew up skateboarding and stuff. And that was, I guess, my my sort of whole sum of my kind of creative outlet, I guess. Yeah. Because it's something you can actually do. And there was also a big, like, skating community, wasn't there? That you used yeah. To magazines and, and videos and stuff. Yeah, totally. And there was, like, you know, all my friends skated and, you know, I'd been skating since I was four. Yeah. So it was, like, just something was really natural and and I could actually achieve. But with music, it was, like, there was no way to record it, besides from these funny little tapes we would do, but no way to professionally record it. Yeah. And um, I never learned how to play. Like, I remember when I was, I think... When I first started school, I tried to get my mum to buy me like an animals, like not animals, bloody Muppets drum kit. Yeah. And it was like a, an animal from the Muppets drum kit. And I was like, man, that's like a professional drum kit. It's incredible. I need it. And I'm <laughs> going to be a drummer. And I was yeah. obsessed with being a drummer all through primary school and infants and stuff. But mum would never buy it because she knew it would just be an absolute nightmare. But uh, yeah, thinking <laughs> back that drum kit just would have been such a piece of garbage and mum's yeah. like I'm not buying that for you and I just resented her I still kind of <laughs> resent her for it because I'm like I could be an incredible drummer now but I, I'm just not that's definitely the only reason you're not an incredible drummer because you never the got only the... reason yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I just blame her forever <laughs> but, but yeah like and I think I always had there must have I don't know what it was but I always had the want to do it but yeah. I just didn't think there was any way you could actually do it but then it was the thing that actually told me that I could is when me and my friend, well, yeah, when I first heard Ween. Yeah. And finding out that they recorded that on a four track. And I was like, oh my God, like you can just buy one of them. But I knew you could buy them, but I was just like, well, they're just going to sound garbage. So I wouldn't buy one. Yeah. But then it didn't. Yeah. They sounded incredible. What album was that? That was Pure Guava. So it was like um, Push a Little Daisies. Yeah. So like I think, yeah, me and. Me and my friend Mike, who at that time he wasn't really my mate, he was like a big sports star at um at high school. Oh yeah. So he he would go to America and play college teams and stuff. Oh wow. Like incredible and like sort of a state high high functioning state level tennis player and stuff. But we left school. We heard Wayne, and then he called me and he was like, "Have you heard this Wayne song? Like, I reckon you'd really like it." And I was like, "Man, I was just about to call you." It's the best. And he's like, I just got a four track from uni. And I'm like, oh, oh, come around. So we came around and we just smashed beers and recorded for like a whole weekend in my mum's garage. How, how old were you then? Oh, like 20, 21. Yeah. Like it was after high school. Well, yeah, 1920 actually. Because we just okay. left high school. And I was like, oh, wow, Mike's calling me. Like he's, uh, he's, a, he's like a sports guy. Yeah. yeah. He's a cool, cool sports guy. And then I think his, his mum has always blamed me for his downfall because so. <laughs> after that we were just drunk for like seven years so yeah and then he grew up and got a job and I didn't it was good but so so Mike is who you started spod with right yeah so that night we called ourselves Jism yeah and great we went name. that's a cool, sick name it's a lot of fun and then we found out what Jism meant and we went, <laughs> you didn't know before you called yourself Jism? Well, I think he 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 said it 
And I went, that sounds great. I love it. And then he found out what it meant. And then he went, oh, we can't call ourselves Jism. And I'm like, I think we really should. <laughs> it's, it, that that kind of makes me more excited about it, yeah. <clears throat> knowing that it means semen or, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but he wouldn't have it. So we oh. spent like the next year coming up with a name and we landed on Spod. What were some is... of the other options you remember? Oh, I have a sheet. I still have it, I think. Because I, as soon as I left school, I got a job with the government, with yeah. the premier's department or whatever. Yeah. So I just sat in an office and I would just type out band names all day and I had all these sheets. And I'd bring them home and he'll just veto them and go, yep, no. <laughs> and I'll make a short list. And then I remember I wrote down Spot and I'm like, this is the sickest name. But it was the name of a, a place in the Premier's Department called the Special Projects Organi- Organizational Division. Yeah. And the acronym was SPOD. And I'm like, that's the best. It was like a Kenny yeah. Everett sketch. It's pretty yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wrote that down and then he just saw that and just went SPOD. And I'm like, yes. So nice. I still have the um, the list for second names. Oh, yeah. And um, we could have been Straw Cab, which is backwards, backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Backwards, backwards. Yeah, Straw Cab. (laughs) Yeah, you you guys were functioning way higher than I was. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Fuck, that would have been great. Yeah. You guys probably would have got really famous, like around, you know, when it came into like silver chair time and Powderfinger, Straw Cab would have been Strawcab. right up there. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he's so a number one hit from Straw Cab. <laughs> but it's you, not, you probably it's... would have written Closing Time. <laughs> that would have been your hit. <laughs> it doesn't look very good, though, like, because it's straw, like, it's not, you know, it's not yeah. straw, it's a straw. <laughs> yeah, right. So, Second in is a much better name. You you really yeah. you nailed it. But um Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I feel like we had problems with second in too. <laughs> well everyone would have thought it's quite it's like a Japanese sounding name. Yeah. Yeah. No, but we would sometimes get sucky then. <laughs> we had a lot of misspellings. Okay, so Spod. Um yeah. so you thought of you, you got the name, then what do you do? So you're recording on your four track. Yeah. Um what kind of stuff are you recording? What instruments are you using? Well, we were just, um, le- I had this really sick CD player and it had like an AB looping function. Oh, yeah. So we would just loop like the same thing that I was doing with tapes. We'll just make that loop sort of Beastie Boys songs and stuff and then just kind of rap over them. And the first song we wrote was this song called Beryl, which I don't have anymore, which is one of the saddest things in my life. Oh. But the, the lyrics were, I'm so sad my barrel's gone away. Her smell still lingers on my fingers. <laughs> and it was over like that uh, pass the mic beat. That I'm pretty sure it was over that beat. Super slowed down. So sped up on the tape and so played back super slow. And then, yeah, like our vocals were sped up and it was just, we were just in awed by this <laughs> ridiculously disgusting sound yeah and uh yeah that from that point amazing. i think i was obsessed with with sort of recording and four tracks and stuff but that i i swear like that was the best song we wrote for like the next five years <laughs> everything else is just trying to be the residents and trying to be back and it was just garbage but that song was like a, a pure little nugget of oh. just being absolute idiots Beryl. having 
Yeah. And Beryl, like, you know, it's the, oh, yeah, it's like an old lady's name. Like, yeah. it's heaps trippy. Fuck <laughs> <idiot>. <laughs> Everything's um, so embarrassing. But you never played back then, right? Oh, no, yeah. That was like we were out, out in the western, northwestern suburbs. There was no way, there was nowhere to play. There was, you know, I, I just didn't even understand how that worked. It took yeah. Mike going to uni and uh, and being at uni and talking to people and saying, oh, yeah, you can like play at the lands down. And so we, because what we would do, we would put on shows. <laughs> Fuck, poor people. <laughs> we'd put on shows in our house and make all our friends come. And uh, one of the first shows we ever played was like Mike brought all these uni friends <laughs> out to Epping and we did this spod show with a backing track and then just playing all these shit songs with like, we, and we were so terrified. We made the, got these little police helmets with visors on them. Yeah. And I still have it, but it's, yeah, like this little green visor so no one could see her eyes. Aww. And we were just kind of like sing and Mike would play the organ and everyone would was watching and I just... I just felt so sorry for them. Like, <laughs> I, this is so self-indulgent. This but that's disgusting. just like having a house party, isn't it? Yeah, but imagine going to a house party and then the people who threw the party force you to watch them. <laughs> and, you know, the, the the reason they're performing is so you enjoy it and you just know they're not enjoying it. And it's completely <laughs> for you and it's so not for them. And then after that, it's like you have to talk to them and it's super awkward because everyone hated it. So we did that heaps. <laughs> <laughs> we did that a lot. And then, yeah, our house shows actually started getting better. And then we started playing the lands down. We did that a couple of times. Yeah. And that went really well and that was cool. So you've always had this, like, costume thing your, oh, yeah, for, for all sure. of your performances. Yeah, because we love the residents and stuff. And yeah. our original idea was never to let our faces be seen. Okay. But then as soon as we did that lands down show, it's like, well... That's really hard because you're just like this band no one gives a shit about and you're coming off stage and you you cover your face up. It's like, yeah. no, you're not doing that. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, so we'll just cover our faces on stage because we're so scared. Yeah. We'll just sort of have these, yeah, like weird kind of rap songs we'd write on my little, I had like a little Yamaha keyboard I got for my seventh birthday. Aww. So we'll just do all the beats on that. And then, uh, yeah, until we could get a drum machine and stuff. But we didn't know how MIDI worked, so we would just have to play over the top of it and we're uh, such garbage players so it'd be pretty weird and pretty pretty gross and did, yeah, it was fun. did any of those songs then end up making it to taste the radness your first album yeah make em party was one of the first songs we kind of finished i think like mike would just come up with the best five seconds you've ever heard yeah so he he just picked up a guitar and just like make him party make him party make him party make him party <laughs> for like three hours then i'm like trying to come up with drum beats and stuff and then i was just waiting for him to go get tired and go to bed so then i could sit down and program like hey uh because this is when we first got drum machine yeah and then yeah so i could program a beat and structure it into a song yeah so I structured that into a song and he woke up and I played it to him. I was like, oh, sick. And then we just sat down and wrote the lyrics. And then, yeah, both sung it at the same time, just like sort of on the same mic, just oh, yeah. kissing ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and I still think that's the best version of that song that's ever existed. <laughs> because like most of the song, it. yeah, I will send you a copy. But it's, yeah, <laughs> most of that song is just me and Mike going, <laughs> really. It must have been really hard not to just crack up. If you're yeah, singing well, into the same mic. 
Yeah, the only uh, the only thing we'll do two takes of is vocals because we're yeah. pissing ourselves. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and when we wrote those lyrics, I sent them into Triple J because they had this uh, this uh, lyric writing competition. Yeah, and you could win a free copy of uh, Frog Stomp perform live at the at Luna Park. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent him my lyrics, and I won. Yay for so making, making party. party was a hit. Yep. <laughs> nice. So I still have that CD and I looked it up on Discogs and it's worth 14 bucks. Yay! <laughs> yeah, pretty cool stuff. <laughs> so did you, how did you write lyrics together? Was it like, did you discuss it or were you sort of like going away and doing your own little bits? Like we'll just sort of like start mumbling garbage together. Yeah. And like, because at this stage we were living together because his grandma died and we just moved into her house. Oh yeah. So we didn't have to pay rent. And we basically just like pushed all of our stuff into one room <laughs> and just filled the rest with like beer bottles and four tracks and stuff. <laughs> really disrespectful in hindsight. Yeah, but uh, at the time I was like, yeah, this is like a studio. Yeah, it was making just, party. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a bed. I slept on dirty clothes. Like I just yeah. had, I just got my bag and emptied it out. And I went, I need to get a bed. I'll just sleep on my clothes for a while. And I just slept on my clothes for like six months. <laughs> I think until like one girl, like I almost had a girlfriend and she came around and I went, I should get a bed because she left. <laughs> good enough reason as any to get yeah, a bed. Yeah, I, I learned my lesson. And I, I think I just got like a little bed roll then. I didn't yeah. actually ever have a proper bed in that house. <laughs> but I'd only ever be in bed for like, an hour, two hours. So we'd just be up getting drunk all night recording. And then because I had this government job, yeah. I'd just go straight to work and come home and buy a six-pack and do it again. And so Mike was studying and then did he, when, did he finish and get a job after that? Yeah, so he was studying to become a teacher. Yeah. And then he we played... This is like we'd met uh, Andy, Andy Kelly by then. Yeah. Because Mike introduced... This girl to me, because he had a girlfriend and he had this this girl he liked at uni. Did he have a bed? Uh, yeah, he had a double bed, yeah. Oh, sweet. And he'll, he'll bring girls home all the time because he's a hunk. <laughs> <laughs> a hunk at uni. Like, he'd go to uni in his PJs and stuff. Wow. Like, one of those dudes who's just, he just he's just got it sorted. Didn't give a fuck. Super confident, real buff, like, look like He-Man kind of thing. <laughs> but, like, we were mates. It was, it was, it was, it was really weird. <laughs> but I was just kind of in awe of him. So he'll bring yeah. girls home and have sex and stuff. And I'll I'll be in <laughs> my room dirty just going clothes. like <laughs> going, oh, I'm I I'm sure sex is incredible, but it sounds terrible. I don't know about this sucking dick thing. Still traumatized yeah, about that. <laughs> I, I'm still not down with my sisters. I think I've got to go speak to my sister about this and really sort it out. <laughs> Yeah, and I, was just, I was just getting nothing. I think that's why all that early stuff was so obsessed with sex because I just didn't have any of it. Yeah, for, forever. Yeah, I was, like, I, I was kind of sure it didn't actually exist. I thought it was just a joke that everyone was in on, and I wasn't. I was like, you, you can't. People can't really be doing this. Like, how do you convince someone to let them let you do that to them? You know, <laughs> what what dirty tricks do you have to pull? Like, I'm a nice, nice kid. I'm not going to make a girl do that <laughs> before I realize That's girls adorable. actually like it as much as guys. So then, so Mike 
gets a teaching job after that? Is that when you start going off on your own, recording your own stuff? Yeah. So we'll we'll like a three piece with Andy Kelly then, and then yeah. So Andy Kelly was a little brother of a girl that Mike started going out with, and now is his wife. So um yeah. So then Andy Mike left to go to Armadale to start doing teaching. Yeah. And then we're like, all right, cool. So if you ever come down, and he'll come down and do spot shows, and then that was kind of it. And Andy was like, oh, you can't stop. Like, you do most of it on backing track anyway. Why don't you just keep doing that? Yeah. But at this stage, we were like a three-piece band. It was pretty rock-focused rock, rock focused kind of and thing. And Andy was playing guitar, right? Guitar, but also mainly drums all oh, through right. that time. Because he's a drummer. He was originally a drummer. I didn't even know that. Yeah, he can play everything because he's a fucking Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Talented fucker. Yeah, like when he first started playing with us, he was like 13, I think. And he would come Amazing. come to our house on school holidays for the whole holidays. And we'll just not really realize how young he was because he always looked older than me. Yeah. Like at that stage. And I was like 18 and I'm pretty sure I didn't have pubes. <laughs> and he had fucking heaps of pubes. <laughs> <laughs> so he would play drums and he could play everything so incredibly. And he had such a handle on music yeah. that he would help me sort of get my head around actual song structure. Like he kind of taught me how to write a song in a lot of ways yeah wow so this 30 <laughs> 13 year old <laughs> kid was a real witch but uh yeah so he was playing drums and we were a two-piece for a while and i had like bass amps and stuff like trying to be godhead silo yeah and um but yeah so and then he was like i i think he was just sick of playing shows with me so i was like you should just do this solo i went yeah all right and then i started started doing it solo and what year was that that would have been 98 i reckon and then I was doing that for like 97, 98, yeah. And then I was doing that for like three years with all the old Spod songs and all these new ones I was writing. And then I moved in with the Coit brothers who were like Leo and Matt Coit. Yeah, from further. So, yeah, because I broke up with this girl I was with and I had nowhere to live. And they were just like, oh, come move in with us or whatever. And then they were kind of encouraging for me just to do Spod stuff, so... I started writing that first record, that Taste of Radness record with them. And I'll play them sort of songs of it and get a gauge on if they thought it was funny. Yeah. And yeah, then I just started doing all this kind of really sort of sex obsessive stuff and thinking it's the funniest thing in the world. It was pretty funny. (laughs) I'd had sex at that time and I knew like you could could do it, but I still found it completely ridiculous. So I I remember... um, Soon, I guess a little bit after I met you, um, I had I really love that Taste the Radness album, and and you know and you and I were like fast friends. We all were like all this Sekiden and and Spod. Um, yeah, it was immediate. Yeah, and uh, I remember I was living in Norman Park with my friend Nathan, and um, we had this this possum problem where like this possum would just come and hang out in our house and we didn't know how to get rid of it or it would like piss through the skylight (laughs) 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 it was really gross so I called this possum guy to come and you know to come and either catch it or or help us seal the house (laughs) so it couldn't get inside and I had um taste the radness on when he came and I guess I kind of thought that the album would have maybe it would have finished by the time that he got there (laughs) but I had it like blasting and the guy got there <laughs> and it was um it was on on heat was on yeah i was going <laughs> to say if it's getting near the end of the album i really hope it wasn't on heat <laughs> which i i reckon is one of the filthiest songs i've ever heard in my life 
And there's that, I think that as he walked in and I was like, oh, hi, yep, I'm Sayer and, and this is our possum problem. There was just you in the background <laughs> going, hands on my head, dick covered in shit. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that one. And I remember like, I was like trying to talk really loud over the <laughs> lyrics. Like, anyway, yeah, the possum's over here. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe people ever had to listen to that song. That's amazing. That's so funny. Well, that's another one that we wrote. I wrote with Mike. Yeah, right. Like in that in that sort of time, like years and years. Like that song was probably seven years old by the time that record came out. Yeah. But it was like me and him, like or me. It was me going to work on the train. I actually, yeah, I was writing it. I remember writing it in, on a notepad or whatever, just pissing myself laughing, thinking <laughs> I'm an absolute genius yeah. writing these terribly disgusting rhymes, and this lady was reading over my shoulder. <laughs> And yeah, like that song's just fucked because the yeah. whole idea, I was like, I just want to, I love Two Live Crew. Like they yeah. were one of the, like an incredibly important band when I was a kid because I was like, I thought it was the most ridiculous, hilarious shit I'd ever heard. And I'm like, I can't believe they get away with this. But realizing later as you get older that they're not nice, funny people. They're kind of just fucking pricks. <laughs> <laughs> Real misogynistic dirtbags. But I'm like, oh man, they're just like really funny dudes. Totally yeah. in a sex. Yeah. And, <laughs> so I'm right. I'm like, I'm going to outdo two live crew. It's like this naive little idiot from the suburbs. And yeah, so I'm writing these terribly disgusting, not very clever lyrics. And yeah, I thought they were really clever. Oh, really? It, it oh. rhymes well. <laughs> <laughs> Hands on my hips, dick covered in shit. Might She's be dancing one of the best on the lines. bed with Billy Crystal's kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It is incredible. <laughs> and then what? Something about Gene Wilder. Oh, yes. Still no go. So I did something inside her, maybe. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure I want to go into that lyric. There's a couple in that song I'm like, no. Nah. Oh, yeah. God. I have to back away. <laughs> yeah. Just look at this lady. Like, she looked over my shoulder and I looked at her and we caught eyes. And oh, the no. look of disgust. I kind of went, I'm on, I'm really onto something. <laughs> Because this this like old lady who was probably like twenty eight, yeah, is, was just disgusted. Not she like, was yeah. probably like, oh, that that little kid's writing poetry. <laughs> <laughs> that that poet that's that's not poetry. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I I would love to meet that lady and just say I'm sorry because I'm sure she still remembers it. <laughs> and if she doesn't, she should, and she should apologize to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find her. Let's do the call that's- out. <laughs> oh, social media, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll find her. No, she won't be on social. Oh, no, actually, she would be. The biggest demographic for Facebook are like 50-year-olds. So. <laughs> if there's a 50-year-old woman who saw a cute little kid riding some filthy shit <laughs> <laughs> on public transport, <laughs> please contact uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the epping line to, uh, to the city would have been like 96. Let's do this. Let's get married. I want to give you a baby. <laughs> um, okay, so shortly after I met you, I felt like um, Spod was getting played on Triple J a bunch and you are playing like Home Bake and all this crazy. You start, you got the two dances yeah. um, and it started being a bit of a, more of a show, like a, a bigger performance. You had a band and then you didn't record your second album for ages, right? You, it yeah. was a big gap. Huge gap. It's a huge gap between anything, really. Yeah. Because, like, that first 
record came out, I think before it, no, yeah, before it came out, the dancers came on because they played a supported Chili Gonzalez. That's right. And yeah, I didn't know who he was, but uh, Amber, who was one of the, the Scorpions, was Amber and Kylie. Yeah. Amber was obsessed with him. She's like, you have to listen to this dude. He's incredible. So I bought his CD. Like when we got this support, I bought the CD. I'm like, oh, this is great. Then they were like, oh, you know, he's got dancers. Like, can we be your dancers? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That'd be amazing. And so they came on, uh, Kyla, Kylie and Amber came up with their own dancers. Then yeah. just turned up to the show and just kind of did them. And it was fucking incredible. They were really great. Like they just sort of, they just treated it like being sort of in school again and hanging out with your friends and making up silly dances yeah. to songs that you like. Yeah. And that was always the vibe that we wanted. Yeah, so they we had a really like, good vibe. Yeah, it was so cool. So, like, we, I was obsessed with kind of, um, you know, big sort of R&B sort of shows and rap shows that would have dances, but then making it feel like it was a high school sort of rock show kind of thing, like a yeah. show you would put on at, high, at sort of high school. And so, yeah, we really went for that kind of vibe. But they just did what they wanted and would yeah. turn up. And I would just say sorry because I could only ever <laughs> give them 50 bucks a show. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah, no, we had a great time. That was the best. That was so much fun. And they always had Incredible. good outfits. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because, yeah, Amber and Kylie were both pretty nifty on on the old sewing machine. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they would make up these incredible outfits like the nurse uniforms with like scorpions on the back and they yeah. wouldn't they would do different outfits for nearly every show for a while until i realized that was just insane and then so what made you want to then start writing new songs or because you recorded your next album pretty much all by yourself didn't you yeah so i did the first record by myself with and then john boy rock recorded it with all kwan stuff that's right yeah and so I was like, oh, this is the best. Like, you know, because he did the production, kind of made it sound good and all I had to do. I just wrote the whole thing on like one sampler and an Atari ST. Yeah. And so from that, I'm like, all right, well, now I need to record myself. So it took me like three years to learn how to use Cubase and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And all the songs I wrote in that time was just terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just kind of terrified of, I don't know, just taking that next step because I, I was like, well... I didn't want to repeat myself yeah. and all I should have done is just repeated myself straight away because I had another record nearly ready to go, like in the amount of songs that I had. Yeah. I just had to develop them Then more. you got self-doubt got in the way. I guess so, but it's also like I was obsessed with Ween and Beck and every one of their records would be completely different. Yeah. And I was like, well, I've done my sex record, so I don't want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, I sort of just, I don't know, I just put it off for a while. But then I did that Eternal Champions EP and recorded, yeah, like I re went to Melbourne and recorded with Black Level Embassy as my band. Yeah. So that was and a real of, like kind of rock versions of some of the Taste the Radness yeah. songs. And then a, yeah, and then a bunch of the songs that were going to be the next record, sort of like this. So yeah, it was like halfway between the songs I had for the next proper album and then me just wanting to do this metal thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, that kind of went weirdly. Sort of people went, what's this? Like yeah. this kind of <laughs> electro sex guy doing this metal stuff. And then, yeah, I think people just got pretty confused. But then what made you want to do another album? Well, I know just, just you have to. Right? Yeah. Like you just got to keep going. And what made you want to do it by yourself? Well, I didn't, I, I still don't know any other way to do it. 
Like I, I don't know. I'm terrible at collaborating, and I don't didn't know anyone else besides from like Andy and a couple of other people. I didn't really know anyone I could write with, and Mike's yeah. only Mike's only been been the only uh actual collaborator I've ever had, aside from Andy maybe. Yeah. And Andy's Andy's definitely been a proper collaborator with me. But aside from that, I've never been comfortable writing with other people. Like I've tried it and done it a few times and it's been fun, but I've never had that same connection that me and Mike or me and Andy even yeah. have had in certain times. But me and Mike, we'll just sit down. One person will start doing something and the other person, even if they hated it, would just dig in and would just, I know it would always be heaps of fun. Yeah. Whereas trying, like I tried to do that, I've tried to do that with so many people and it's just never worked. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's like now Spot will always just be just me, I guess. You were sort of getting into producing a lot more and learning how to use your computer and, and mm. learning how to, um, like a lot more technical aspects of stuff to be able to record that second album like yeah. a, to a really high level at home. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to kind of make, my idea was sort of making a Beck, Ween, Prince level album. Yeah. But really detailed and condensed and just a million ideas and all sort of mixed really well. So, I, yeah, I just spent like four years just teaching myself how to actually produce and mix music properly. Yeah. So, you know, understanding sort of how the frequencies work against each other and, I don't know, just, you know, all that stuff. Like, I basically went to school whilst writing songs and all the songs were kind of garbage, but they were kind of a uh, a good test into figuring out how to uh, actually mix and produce. Yeah, good so, stepping stone. Yeah, so that's what Super Friends kind of was. So it was like my my sort of uh, voyage into into sort of doing hyper-production sort of stuff. Yeah, and didn't you had a bit of a disaster while you made it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I was moving, <laughs> I spent because I got made redundant from my job, and then um I went all right. So I'm just going to stay in this really expensive apartment in Petersham <laughs> until I finish this record, and that's what that's my studio time. Yeah. So it was like 400 bucks a week or whatever. I was there by myself, so I just stayed there and turned the place into like a studio basically. Yeah. And just stayed there for six months and finished this record. Then I'm like, right, the record's done. I'm going to move out into a cheaper place. And, you know, I've invested in this record kind of thing. Yeah. And then when I was moving, I was backing up. I'm pretty sure I was backing up the album to another hard drive. And the moving guy uh, picked up, my, like I was in another room. I came out and my hard drive was on the floor. And I went, oh, that's a bummer. So I picked it up, packed it all away thinking, oh, that'll be finished, it'll be fine. Yeah. Then moved into the new house and plugged it in. It was just completely fried. Uh, and the backup was fried. Uh, it was just all fried. I guess a, an electrical current went through it all and just blew it all up. Oh, uh, so such a nightmare. Like four years just gone. I fucking shit myself. <laughs> That's is, uh, such yeah. a terrible feeling. Such a nightmare. What and I poured so much time into it. Well, I kind of just went on to Mess and Noise, which was this big um, website, uh, sort of, of of whinges and yeah, <laughs> like a <laughs> that like everyone a hated. chat forum thing, or like a um, yeah, like a message yeah, board. Was, yeah, yeah, it was just a message board, like pre Facebook and stuff. And I was obsessed with it because I worked in the government and had nothing else to do, and uh, I just hated my job, so I just stayed on there and just chatted. And I had a lot of good friends on there. I was re I, I really loved it. 
Yeah. But a lot of people hated that website, but I thought it was a really kind of supportive, lovely kind of place. Yeah. And I think I just went on there and whinged about it. And then, yeah, they all sort of put together like, I don't know if it was a pay, no, it was a bank account thing. So this one girl put together Tanya, put her bank account out, I think, and got everyone donated to it and got like 800 bucks together. Aww. And then so I could actually go and get that drive recovered. That's so Which, amazing. How lovely. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was the nicest thing. So then that was, it was 400 bucks per drive. And then, so yeah, I got both the hard drives kind of fixed, but it was all pretty messed up. Like everything was, it was like just throwing sort of a bunch of tapes on the ground and then picking them all up and they're all being yeah. cut up and sticking them back together. Yeah. So a lot of the songs were pretty unrecoverable. So I would just have to take the basic idea of it because all the structure was still there, but all the audio was all mixed up. Yeah. So I just had to start rebuilding from there. But it was still better than nothing. Yeah. But then, yeah, I just had to spend another year or so just re- oh, re-recording and doing it all. Yeah. I remember when that happened. Such a drag. Yeah. It was such a fucking drag. Yeah. But without that, <laughs> I never would have finished it. But, you know. Uh, and I think it turned out better than it probably would have been anyway, but yeah, who knows? I can't even remember what it was like before That's that. That's probably so. for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, I, I really love that record. And I think that shortly after you put out that record was maybe when you and I started playing together. Yeah. So you were just getting me to play with you whenever, you know, you had like either high paying shows or whenever like you supported regurgitator <laughs> yeah <pretty much. laughs> but i was already there <laughs> yeah <laughs> or whenever you're in brisbane um and i feel like that was such a fun time and i, I would just play like one mono synth i was just playing the sh 101 yeah and and it was super fun yeah just like i'll just take out either a bass line or a lead yeah and just let you go at it yeah just go. it's gonna sound better than the track SH one oh one's the best sounding thing. You put yeah. that through a PA, forget about it. Yeah. And you can play heaps better than I can. So you would actually play it better than I had already recorded it. Nah. So yeah, it was, it was a win win. <laughs> yeah, like we played I can't remember where it was, but it was like a basement in um in Brisbane somewhere. Like it was some kind of indie punk rock, like an emo punk rock club. Yeah. And we played there, I think Sam Cross was there. Oh yeah, Crowbar. Who's like a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. Yeah, was that crowbar? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. And we had like big spot letters. That's, That's when I right. think I had yeah. the big letters and stuff. I don't know. I can't remember specifics of that, but I remember thinking that was so much fun, for whatever reason. Super sweaty. Yeah, it was really dense. Like full on dense vibe. Yeah, like and I think it was full of kind of people who didn't give a shit. Like they yeah. they were just there. They were sort of metal dudes, but I think we won the most. Well, you always win audiences over. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's that's the, the best. Like, I, I like a show that no one likes you at. Yeah. And by the end, Everyone people either, it. yeah, they either put up with you or they you actually turn them. Whether they like the music or not is kind of irrelevant, but if it, by the end of it, they're like, nah, you're right. Yeah. The beginning, like the amount of times I've had dudes go, the beginning, I thought you were a real cunt. You're a real <laughs> piece of shit. But by then, you're right. But the amount of times I've had people say that, that's really the highest honour. <laughs> You can bestow upon a performer, I think. I actually think that's um, that's the biggest 
thing that you do. Like you always win the crowd over by the end. I don't think I've ever, ever seen you play a show or, or played with you where you haven't made the entire room laugh or like feel engaged with your performance. And I think that's such a difficult thing to do. I've always thought that was one of, that's one of the most amazing things about your show. You know, you just... I definitely yeah. have had shows at the end and everyone's <laughs> just quiet and it's like, you have to go. This sucks. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen one. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few. There was like one in Brisbane a while ago that wasn't so great. But it's a, I like to, I like to tank a show just to get it back sometimes. Yeah. So if it's not going well, I'll tank it and I'll just completely destroy the, everything fun about it. <laughs> And then go, all right, and then play a song and try and, like, rebuild it from there. How do you tank it? Well, like, say, like, at this particular show, there were these kids. And they were, like, funny dudes, but they just got super wasted. And they were down the front, and they're, like, pretending to fight. So everyone's watching them fight, and I'm just sort of playing to no one. Which I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not very good backing music. Like, you either yeah. have to be engaged or it's just, it's not that fun. I yeah, think it was well, right. definitely not fun for me. Like, I have no interest in just sort of playing, which sounds really egotistical. It's like, yeah, you have to pay attention to me because uh, guess what? I'm the performer, baby, and I'm here to R-O-C-K, and you better love it. <laughs> like, it sounds like, but it's like, yeah, there's no, there's no fun if there's no vibe to it. Nobody wants to be the backing music. Yeah, and if I'm playing to a backing track, I can't just sort of sit back and look at my friends and just go, hey, bros, let's just jam this one out. Yeah. You know? I can't just like uh, get onto a sick groove. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, there's a backing track playing and I'm either singing or I'm just I'm sort of uh, pacing backwards and forwards, trying not to cry. I can't imagine ever doing that with a band that, that plays my music going, let's get into a sick groove. I don't think, <laughs> <laughs> I don't Neither actually I, think but... I could get into a sick groove if I tried. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I like to think that if I had a band, I could. I've had bands <laughs> that can definitely get into a sick groove. Oh, look, Regurgitator can get into a sick groove, but <laughs> they probably can without me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You need that kind of, if you're going to have a band and you're going to be the front guy, you need to be able to walk off and just go, boys, sink it into a sick groove. <laughs> I'll be back in 20. Yeah. Like when Gene Ween walk off and do coke, you know? Yeah, total sick but, uh, groove. <laughs> yeah. But I've always wanted to do a, a show with a backing track where I'm just like, you know, all right, like, sort of go the band are just going to jam for a bit and just take off for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Always yeah. want to do that. I've never had the costume change. No one ripped that idea off. That's a <laughs> sick idea. I'm definitely going to do that. But yeah. So yeah, I kind of so yeah, getting back to the point, sinking a show. So yes. at that one <clears throat> and it's like I don't know, it's not something I really think about. I can't really think when I'm playing, but I will just sort of stop singing and let the vibe just dissipate yeah. to the point that everyone... Then people start paying attention again, I guess. Yeah. Because nothing's happening, or if something is happening, it's terrible. So they all sort of look up and go, oh, yeah, that's right. There's this, this old guy being an idiot. <laughs> and then I'll just sort of like, I don't know. Like sometimes it's honest, sometimes it's it's not. But I'll just sort of start, you know, saying stuff. So with this one, I just was pacing backwards and forwards and talking about being a, an Australian icon and, uh, you know, it's fine that no one really cares. You know, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm just doing it for myself. And, uh, you know, but I came to Brisbane. I really, I had a lot of hopes for this to be, to be a really fun show, but I guess you just can't 
dictate what's going to be fun, but you guys are all here. So I guess that's great, but you don't, I don't think you guys like me and (laughs) I guess it's not your fault. Anyway, this song's (laughs) called Totally Rad. (laughs) And so like you do that and then hopefully it sort of spikes up, but it kind of didn't and it went really weird. But I will remember that show forever. So that's kind of the most important thing. (laughs) I feel really bad because there's a couple of like little, little friends I have up there and I kind of, I think they still had fun. But I'm I sure feel they bad did. when that, yeah. I'm sure knows. they did. I, I felt bad I wasn't at that show because I, I think I was on tour somewhere. I couldn't go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one you came to afterwards, that might have been my favorite show I've played that I can remember. What's that one? That last one. The, oh, um, yeah. yeah. The yeah. other week. You were yeah. there, right? Or did you come I, after? I came after you played because I went to see Nick Cave like a jerk. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Dick Cave. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Dick Cave. Bane of my existence. <laughs> So always sad, your competition. <laughs> yeah, that guy's got a band that can just drop into a sick groove. Oh yeah, they they really had heaps of sick grooves. Um, <clears throat> the sickest grooves. Sickest grooves. Warren Ellis, <laughs> such a sick groover. Oh mate, that guy's just like he's just like he can just look into the abyss and just go, "There's a diamond. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait, but I'm gonna pull that diamond out and I'm gonna give it to. Nah, I'm not gonna give it to you. Now nah, here you go. Nah, it's not yours, but I could give it to you." I'm you could, could if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah, that guy's a witch. He's amazing. Yeah, he is. Musicians, like, on that level are fucking absolutely bewildering. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't I it's couldn't insane. look at anyone. I hardly watched Nick Cave at that show. I just yeah. th- th- thought Warren was really mesmerizing and amazing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, having said that, I'm really sad I missed the best show of your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you kind of fucked it. So, I'm so sorry. I hope you had a good time at Dick Cave, but... Uh, <laughs> Guess what? Spot had a really sick show at the Foundry supporting <laughs> Six Foot Hick and Velociraptor. Yeah. Pretty much I'm the up. only shows I play these days are with Velociraptor because Jeremy Neal's the nicest guy in the world. He is the nicest guy in the world. As in everyone in Brisbane. Yeah. And, well, you know, I'm pretty nice guy. Yeah. It's like between between uh, Seconden, everyone within, uh, not excluding you, but... Uh, <laughs> What's the word to say, like, mainly you? Uh, mainly no, you. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really no, thought nothing. about that. Got nothing. I love Simon. I love Mirko, but, you know, <laughs> fuck him. You're the best. <laughs> well, I feel like we've had more times, you know? We definitely have. We um, sort of became mates last out of, I think I was friends with Simon first, then Mirko. Yeah, and then, and like, then, I just fucking shot to the finish line. Yeah, and then quick. I went... Fucking these two losers with dicks. Get the fuck out of the way. I got a vagina, buddy. We're going to be mates. Hardcore we, mates. We played heaps of shows together. We yep. both played keyboards for Regurgitator. Yep. Talk me through I play, that for I, a second. <laughs> yeah, well, I tried. I, I had a keyboard and I played it in Regurgitator. I'm not sure you could say I actually played keyboards. I can remember rehearsing with those guys. They're like, all right, so play a song. And I would do it in A and I'd like been practicing it. So I'm like, I know that that is the, this one. Like I don't, I look at a keyboard, it's just a fucking mess to me. <laughs> to this day, I have no fucking idea. I can put my fingers on it and if I don't look, I can kind of play. But I don't, I don't know what the letters mean. So they said, oh, this is in A. I'm like, yeah, I know it's in A, you fucking idiot. So we're playing. <laughs> like... No, I think we need to play this in C. Oh, yeah, they love oh, doing that. What the 
Why? Who? What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. I don't know what that means. So I just shit myself and I went. <laughs> so that's AC. That's like three three keys up. And I'm like, I don't. Yeah, sure. I'm like so three keys up, not including the oh, including the black one. No, no not, not including, including the black, the black one. one. <laughs> oh, okay, right. So four keys up. <laughs> so I've got to figure out every key that's four keys up from the one that I learned. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, because then some aren't. Up, uh, what? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what any of this means. So I'm playing whatever the fuck I want or whatever the fuck I can. <clears throat> and I think they realised at that moment that they made a huge mistake. <laughs> I saw one of those shows because you did Big Day Out with them. Yeah, the um, whole tour. It was so great. Like, I'm pretty sure you're... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that maybe the key transpos on the SH101 got stuck on for one of the songs. I was like, oh, no. Nah. Because- <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I honestly just think that was me. I'm pretty sure John Boy just fucking turned me down for pretty much all those shows. The band were being really nice because they understood that I was going through hell. And I think by the end, all I was doing is playing tambourine and doing... Well, doing uh, on that big day out tour, we did Totally Rad for That's every right. show. yeah. And I'm like, oh no, uh, make and party, sorry. And you did like a, didn't you have like a little rap battle or something? Or was that that's later right, on? Yeah. yeah. No, I think we did do a, a rap together, and then yeah. that sort of went into us doing that block CP and stuff. But uh, but the yeah, we can talk about the rap battle later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe yeah maybe that could, oh I didn't even think of that that'll be my story. <laughs> yeah. If I, I feel like I've been rabbiting on about them as boring history of, of my band forever no i i love it and so like i know that we've already been talking for an hour but um i have so many questions and i feel like i not many people really ask you about things that you've done like on the side apart from spot so i know that you know you've you've produced a bunch of stuff and i think that you know you're you're a really valued producer in australia as well now um like you've done Richard in your mind and like a whole bunch of other stuff and you've definitely got your own sound um, and vibe in that world too. Can you talk to me about like the first thing that you produced that wasn't your own? Yeah. Well, that was when I first got made redundant. I um, decided I, I would give my hand at sort of mixing other people's music and I was a pretty big fan of Richard in your mind and they were recording their new record uh, and... I was talking to Conrad and he's like, oh, you should mix it. You should mix it. And uh, I went, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give it a shot. So then they would start coming around to my house and playing me the songs. I'm like, this is insane because they're absolute witches. Yeah. And so we, I took all of the songs that they had already recorded and then we just started. I was like, oh, what if this happened? So I started pr- like sort of post-production, I guess. Yeah. So the, the album, and this is still the way I prefer to work with other people is have them just go record it, do whatever they want, bring it to me and then sort of not remixing it or anything, trying to honour what that sounds like. Yeah. But if I have an idea to take it somewhere else, you know, having them allow me to do it and also having them to say that sucks yeah, or that's great or whatever. But I, if I don't have that kind of flexibility, it's no fun. Yeah, well, you need that and honesty. Yeah, totally. Because I want to kind of do what I think needs to be done to make it the best version of the, what that is. So with Richard in mind, we have a pretty similar, like different sides of the same kind of coin, really. Yeah. Where 
<clears throat> we're fans of the same kind of music and love the same kind of sounds. So, yeah, like I was, I just kind of took at it and just we ripped everything apart. So Conrad and Richard would come around to my house every day for like six months. Yeah. And we just ripped the whole thing apart and put it back together and wrote like a, a song. Like me and Con Richard sort of wrote it with Conrad. Then me and Conrad just rewrote it. This yeah. song, Flower, Flower of the Heart. Yeah, yeah. Which goes for like 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> fucking insane. But we just made it go super heavy. And I just bought a Space Echo, so we just went to town on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was so much fun. But it was like, yeah, so I'm mixing the record whilst doing sort of this post-production adding 808 kicks and synth lines and all that kind of stuff. And you were already sort of, you had like a, a collection of stuff, like vintage stuff at home at this point too, right? Yeah, like I had the Mini Moog, I had, yeah, Space Echo, had maybe the Micro Moog, I had a bunch of synths and stuff. Yeah. And uh, the SH-101. So, and you were sort of, you were recording all of that in Logic, which you'd sort of, you'd learned a lot about when you were making Super Friends. Yeah, so I made super friends in that and I kind of figured it out. So I felt confident going into the Richard in Your Mind thing. Yeah. So I think they did all that in Pro Tools. We dumped it out, put it in the Logic. And then, um, yeah, just sort of went forward with that. So, like, I would run stuff in and out of, like, my MS-20 and use the filters on that. Same with the Mini Moog. Yeah. So using all my synths is, is kind filters. of they are. Yeah, as production tools, you know, as little EQ things and stuff. And That's then awesome. I, I just, yeah, and I just bought that Matrix 1000 yeah, a little bit the before best. that. And that was, yeah, Simon, your husband, <laughs> was like, there was one at Pete's Musicians Market and he's like, go buy it. And I'm like, I don't yeah. want a polyphonic synth. Like, oh, that's sucks. so good. <laughs> and he was just like, just go Magic. buy it. It's insane. Yeah. So I bought that and I have to thank Simon. He changed my entire life. Because now I'm just, that's all I do. I just write songs on that. And that's, I think, all I'm ever going to do. <laughs> I, lo I love that synth. It is. I love anything. it too. Because we've got one as well. Yeah, um, so good. I want 10. He's amazing. Yeah. Just, I would love to do like a, a synth orchestra with only those <laughs> Oberheims. Because all you'd have to do, you'd only need one, say 20, or the one unit, right? So you just yeah. need a 10 unit rack. Yeah. You could put 10 in it and you could have 10 people playing it yeah. and go on tour. Just MIDI And all you have MIDI keyboard. just have that in the centre of the stage and you have a light on that and then 10 people around it in the dome. I've always wanted to do a synth orchestra. I think Let's that would be really... Yeah, okay. I think we've just we've started it. <laughs> we've definitely got enough friends who would be into that. Who would be... Like as long as yeah. I can play the ones just like on just the white or black notes... <laughs> Then yeah. I'm in. But if I can just sort of come be, because I came up with the idea with you, so we don't actually yeah. have to do anything. No, we're just you the leaders. can, because you can play. So I will just walk around. Hey, actually, I've got it. I'll just go, I'll narrate it. Yeah. So I'll just, Perfect. I'll just like talk about something really cool. <laughs> and you guys can play them all. And then okay. that'd be great, because I could just turn up and just do whatever I want. Imagine doing like a Ween synth orchestra. I think you, now you speak my language. <laughs> we could just play like, you know, oh like God. stay forever, like all just in like Matrix 1000. No beats. No beats. Just, just super pads, like. Just pads. 
just yeah, like five hours of ween. I think we should do it. Yep. We I'm need in. to get like another eight people with Oberheims with like with Matrix one thousands. I know six. Really? So yeah, well everyone I mix for goes out and buys a Matrix one thousand. Because <laughs> Richard in your mind, he went out and bought uh, like a Space Echo, Matrix 1000, like a bunch of stuff that we were using heaps on that first record. Yeah. So Richard went out and bought all that stuff. So he's in. He's in. Uh, I just mixed a band, Raindrop. I think he already had one or Great. he's going to buy one, but he's, he's in. into it. I reckon he'll be in. Chris and Miles both have Matrix 1000s. I thought that they would. They're in. They, well, they got everything. <laughs> they were so already in. <laughs> they, they've, they're actually inviting us through telepathy. Yeah. This is actually their idea. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's already a good amount. And I yeah. swear there's someone else. There's someone else who just bought one recently. Oh, look, we probably don't need 10. Let, no, we let's do. workshop this idea further off mic. 10. All right. Well, here's no, a call out. If you have a Matrix 1000, please contact <laughs> and you like Ween. This feels yeah. like one of those like band posters like if, if you're into <laughs> <laughs> If you're into being hey uh, a couple of open-minded, funky guys looking for other open-minded, funky guys. Must be in a Primus and Tool. <laughs> Must have Oberheim Matrix 1000 and be able to get into a sick groove. <laughs> yeah, be able to drop into a sick groove. Yeah, let's do it. All right, sick. I'm in. All right. Um, so back to Spod. Yep. <laughs> Greatest Can- band of all time. Let's do it. <laughs> so not only... I, know, I want to talk to you more about producing, but I feel like we have limited time. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk to you about you've made a lot of video clips for people. Yeah. Um, and they're all really great and, and they look incredibly time-consuming. Oh, that's nice. Tell me how you got into making video clips. Well, it's the same thing, Richard, in your mind again. They Well, I actually, I made a clip for myself uh, for a song off Super Friends. And I sort of, uh, I think, yeah, like I was kind of, I'd just seen, it's a, kind of the same thing where with music I heard Wayne and went, oh, I can actually achieve that. Not songwriting because they're fucking ridiculous, but sonically, like the what the tools they used, I could actually get my hands on. Yeah. I saw Tim and Eric for the first time. I went, oh my god! Like it's, uh, it's kind of like immediately showing you, like it's democratizing the idea of making something good. So I remember seeing them, and it's like you know, it's kind of low budget, like on its uh, from an exterior point of view. But all the ideas are super rich, yeah. And also the the amount of work that goes into it is insane. So it, the aesthetic is this really rough, low budget thing, but you know that so much time and skill goes into it all yeah so I remember seeing them and going okay so I can see the background of the technology is reachable like I I'm sure I could do this with a laptop if I learned After Effects or whatever it is yeah so I went all right well I'll just try and make a Tim and eric kind of clip like you know being completely open about it so I made a, a clip for this song Dead and I just wrote down a million ideas and we just went rented a green screen for an afternoon like me renee and julia and bella and just dressed up and did all this stuff and then i just spent like four months learning after effects just uh, teaching myself how to edit and all that kind of stuff how were you doing that were you just like watching tutorials and yeah experimenting pretty much yeah so i'll just sort of go all right so this 
there's one part in it, I think it was like one of the first bits I did, and I went, I really want us all, like a whole band on the wings of an eagle. Like, so the eagle's yeah. flying and I have like a band and everyone has horse heads and we're all playing on the, the wings of this eagle flying through space or whatever. <laughs> and I went, I, I just, if I can figure out how to do that, I can figure out how to do anything. Yeah. And so I just went and just sort of figured out how to track and how to crop things out, how to key things out and blah, blah. And sort of tracked these horse heads on these people and tracked them to the eagle, then animated the eagle and it all moved at the same time. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm God. This is it. <laughs> I can, I can do it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure is... I thought you were God when I saw that video. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know how I did that. Like the first thing, I'd never edited a single thing. And it's, you know, whatever it is, it is, but technically it's still, it's, it's pretty rough, but it's pretty it's amazing. It's a great video. Yeah, it's overshooting what you, what <laughs> I should have, I should have just started out doing a normal video, but yes. <laughs> Just see what you want to f- achieve and figure out how to get there. Yeah, kind of thing. And, and I think that a lot of the learning of it is, you know, you're probably doing things 20 times slower than someone who is a professional would do yeah. it. <laughs> but, totally. But, you know, like that's, that's, the, that's the process, you know, that's the process of learning. It's really interesting. And they're the most fun parts because you're, you're going to you, it's completely uncharted territory. Yeah, so you're like, all right, this is what I want, what I want to see and achieve and figuring out, out your own way to get there with whatever tools you can get your hands on and you achieve it to whatever degree and then you look at it and you're like, holy shit, like I don't know how that happened. Yeah. That That's with music or video or anything, that's all I ever really want. Yeah. Like out of Absolutely. making something. Yeah. And when I do that, I'm like, it's it's the most exciting, rewarding feeling you can get in out of anything in your life. Just going, I wanna I wanna get there and you figure out how to get there and then you do it and you're just like I did it's it. A, it's the best. Yeah, you yeah. Just, you feel like a wizard. Yeah. You know? Like, holy know. shit, Harry Potter must have felt insane. <laughs> Fucking Frodo Frodo must have just felt so fucking amazing <laughs> at the end of Harry Potter. <laughs> I know. I, I quite often feel like that. And and it's funny because I think, you know, you and I share this sort of um, like a bit of self-doubt and stuff and, you mm. know, we're both quite um, insecure at times. And yeah. that, But we both pull the shit out of our ass. <laughs> so yeah. kind of like, like, oh, wow, I totally did that. Like you made a, an exercise podcast. Oh, and yeah. made all your own music, you know? Yeah, like, like you, 10 episodes. You figured out, which is called Fantasize, and everyone should download it because it's amazing. Um, Pretty sure it's still up there, yeah. And, you know, like you figured out how to make video clips all on your own and, and you make these amazing remixes, you know? Like you, no one ever taught you how to remix, or, you know, how to use Logic or how to use Cubase. Yeah, um, well... There's a, an really amazing, amazing thing called the internet, yeah. which is a, an incredible resource. <laughs> Without the internet, I'll just become, well, I was completely fucked. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, I, I was doing the exact same thing just without, with less guidance, I guess. Yeah. But I guess through all that, like my biggest weakness, it's like going for a job interview. Well, what's your biggest weakness? Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you something that is kind of a positive <laughs> Uh, it makes me sound like a legend, <laughs> but my biggest weakness is my lack of ability to collaborate. So yeah, right. 
I'd love, like, with music videos, I still do them, but I kind of tired myself out because I just did everything by myself. Yeah. So I did a couple of clips where I would get sort of help. Like, we did the, the clip for you. Uh, and, you know, we had a couple of people helping on that. And that kind of in in my scope of things, like, that's, I think of that and go, oh, yeah, like, we had heaps of help. It was great. And it was, like, two two of your mates. Yeah. Kind of helping out. But Didn't like know I've done what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, but they were amazing and they made it, yeah. it made the whole thing so much easier. So good. Yeah. But it's because I'm terrible at sort of or even just asking. Yeah. I can't yeah. even I feel terrible to ask people to help. Yeah. But the only time I've done it is when I've got a decent budget and then I can spend that on getting people who are kind of professional. Yeah. And they just take all the money, but then <laughs> by the end of it it's so much more fun yeah. because you just sort of go, oh, do this, and then they do it, and it looks so much better than you messing around with your crap <laughs> yeah. camera, not you, me. Yeah, I know what you You know mean. what I mean? It's like I just wish I could do that. But people can do that without spending so much money because they, they know how to ask people for favors. Yeah. I can't do that. No, I'm not good at that either. But no, I feel terrible. But do you, I think that part of me not being able to ask people is also because as much as I – uh, you know, I'm a bit insecure about things. I'm also a bit of a control freak. So I I know, you know, when I make my felt instruments and stuff, um, yep. I can't ask anyone to help me with those because I need it to be the way that I do it. And yeah. I imagine it would be similar for you if you're doing a video clip or if you're doing, um, you know, producing an album. It's like, well, I know the way that I want it and I have a bit of a vision for this and no one else yeah. is really going to get it. Well, that's the thing. It's like finding that way to explain your inner ideas when you don't understand them even exactly. at the time. Yeah. Like as you get more and more versed in the language of whatever you're trying to produce, you get better at it. But it's like, yeah, like explaining that idea to someone. It's so to have hard. Them, yeah, like to... Easier and, just to do it. <laughs> so much easier. And a lot of the times, like people who are really good at something, you're telling them the wrong way to do something and they won't do it. And you're going, yeah, but I know, I actually understand what I want to see at the end of it. Yeah. And they can't see because it's not the right way to do it. Yeah. And so if someone's telling me like that and I'm recording them or something, I would do the same thing. I'm like, well, that's not, there's a better way to do it. Yeah. And they say, no, we want to do it like this. Their idea, they're probably going to get to their idea quicker than I would because I, I think of my own path to there because I'm not part of the creative drive behind it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. It's like it's, it's you can spend twice or the same amount of time explaining yourself to someone else and telling them how to do it or you just do it yourself. Yeah. Or and you spend 20 hours extra trying to figure out how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just sitting there just like, fuck, fuck like a real <laughs> editor could do this in 10 seconds. And I'm just, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. <laughs> It's seven in the morning. <laughs> the amount of times I've been just sitting at my computer at seven in the morning, just like, I promised this clip at like 9am. I haven't even started uploading it. I'm fucked. I'm so dead. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, because, yeah, it's like, but that's, a, that's the best fun is finding obsessive ways to drill yourself into the, the idea and getting and finding your way out at the end and then looking at it and seeing yourself in it. Yeah. You know, like you go, oh, that's, totally. that's entirely me. You know? I made that. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you make something and you don't see yourself in it, that's the scariest yeah. feeling. 
because you're just like, ugh. Like when I was doing stuff around that Super Friends time after that first record, I was writing songs and I was listening back and I wasn't hearing myself at all. Yeah. And I just remember that spooking me out because I had all this access to stuff that just sounded like everyone else, like plugins and shit. Yeah. Whereas like that first record, it's all just this crap sampler and a shit drum machine. Yeah, yeah. I, the first thing I bought and that sounded like me and I've kind of figured out, I've come full circle and figured out what it is. Well, I, I guess I stopped thinking about it. That's the main thing. Yeah. That you kind of just end up sounding like yourself because you're not scared of tr- not sounding, like you're not scared to sound like yourself. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to realise. Yeah. I, I, as I was saying that, <laughs> I just sound like a stone guy on the train. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, you know, like you know, when you sit in front of someone, they're behind you talking to their mate. <laughs> I, just, I was <laughs> heard myself. I'm like, oh, God, I'm like a dude on the train to Newcastle explaining his fucking solo reggae band. To yeah. a heroin addict passing it's like, out. It's like when you know, you know, but you, you do you really know and you know yourself, but <laughs> you just don't really know what you know. <laughs> but like, you know, like passion and like the ideas and like, you know, like sometimes you just got to go into the dark to find the light, you know, it's like, oh man, sometimes I just lose myself. And then at the end of it, I just find myself. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But God, it's so hard to explain. Um, so I we've been talking for ages and I have so many other things I want to ask you but I think I need to cut it short before we go though we haven't talked about blocks at all and I feel like Uh, it's I need to talk to you about it because it's probably one of my favorite things that's ever been made so you made an EP with Quan yeah uh, like a rap EP called blocks under the name blocks um and four letter words it's four letter words are nothing in my life yeah Yeah. um and i just it it, it's it's so great can you talk me through the the process of making that a little bit yeah for sure well that was uh so like after i'd done that first record that taste of radness record with john gardner who was the sound guy for regurgitator i think he gave my number to Quan or something and Quan would send me texts on my phone with like rap lyrics and I would rap back and I just didn't really think much of it. Didn't know yeah. who it was. <laughs> and then Really? <laughs> yeah, for like maybe it felt to me in my memory, Quan would remember because he, he, I don't know, maybe he nah, wouldn't. He has he's a got terrible a memory. terrible memory. <laughs> yeah, I just remembered. I'm like, oh, he remembers. He doesn't get drunk all the time. <laughs> but he doesn't get drunk and he has no fucking memory. Nah. Um, but yeah so we would well he would text and i would reply and we'd just do these rap battles over text and i didn't know who it was and i thought it was (laughs) i I just didn't even think about it like and i remember asking john or finding out it was kwan and i'm just shit myself because i was a massive regurgitator fan yeah but knowing john knew him and stuff yeah so anyway from there we just sort of would chat about making rap songs and I think it was like years and years later, maybe when was that, like 2009 or something? Yeah, maybe earlier. Yeah, like I think we, we wrote songs for a couple of years. So we got together and would kind of try to write raps. And I was just, well, actually, Quan recorded all the vocals for that Super, not Super Friends, um, Eternal Champions EP I put yeah. out. Yeah. So I recorded all the vocals at his house on this really nice uh, microphone that yeah. I rented. 
and then so we were kind of, we were good friends at that stage and um yeah then he i can't remember if he floated it or i floated it or it just happened but we decided to make a rap record and you know he's an incredible producer like he can make things sound so glossy and nice yeah so he kind of took most of the the production kind of mantle yeah and we just wrote raps together and would go i would go to his house and would just yeah like try and record these raps <clears throat> well i would try he would and i would try to record them <laughs> it's like he'll be like just you know sim- simplify it keep it keep it simple and i'm like this is Quan. I've got a fucking ra- sickest raps. <laughs> Not that he's the sickest rapper. Like he kind of, you know, he, he he has his own thing, but he's yeah. a, he's definitely like a rock and roll rapper, you know? He has the so confidence it, though. Oh, totally. Yeah. And he has the voice. Like, yeah, he's fuck. got the voice. Fucker. So, he, yeah. So, but as soon as hearing him rap over like the hip hop beats he was putting together, I'm just like, fuck, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> it's, like, it's like turning up to a test. And just like, oh, I'll figure it out on the day. And just going, nah. Like, he just sounded so fucking sick over these amazing <laughs> beats he was making. Yeah. So I would put forward beats. And I think I got like one across the line. Yeah. <laughs> but his was so good and so detailed and so crispy that I was just like, I would really rather just do all your <laughs> songs. Because they're so much better. So yeah, we just, we had a great fucking time just hanging out. I, recording vocals in his toilet. Yeah. You know. In his apartment. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was great. It was one of the, the best experiences I've, I've had because it was a collaborative thing, which I'm, I've said I'm, I'm yeah, terrible hard. at, you know. Yeah. And it's also like with someone who's a, uh, a bit of a, an idol or a hero. Yeah. Someone that you grew up listening to as a template of what you can do. Yeah, and, totally. You know, doing whatever the fuck you want and they were very successful at it. Yeah. So, you know, it was incredible getting that experience to do it. Yeah. And then... Yeah, and aside from that, I can't remember much. We would play a bunch of shows, and I remember playing a show at the Sydney Festival. Yeah, I was, was there. Heaps of fun. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah and we I, did all I those re- videos and stuff, <laughs> yeah. like on Vmax or whatever it is, That's the sampler, right. yeah, video sampler thing. And we spent more time on that than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, Just making these sick videos. <laughs> he said on this podcast, he kind of um made a public apology to you on his podcast that, um. That he always felt bad that he didn't give it more because uh, he got scared of your stage presence. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the, yeah, that kind of happened where we played a show in St Kilda, and it just after that, I, I didn't hear from him for months. <laughs> like, we would kind of have. I would be like, oh yeah, you know, here's a rap idea. What do you What do you think, Dad? You know, <laughs> like. Oh, hey, maybe we should play another show. And is this kind of... I can't remember the details. Yeah. But I remember just silence. Like, yeah. he just he stopped replying to me. Yeah, and kind <laughs> of just... It just felt like he stopped being my friend. Which oh. was the hardest thing. Yeah. Because we were such close mates. And then he just disappeared. And then finding out, like, years later, that he was just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know. It was just, I think it was just a bit much. And yeah. he just kind of maybe lost a bit of interest. But from hearing that on your... I listened to that podcast. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that explains a lot of it. Yeah. But, yeah, it hurt for a while, like, because I was so excited about it. Yeah, yeah. But so at the same I. time, yeah, at the same time, I, I knew it was just kind of this one-off thing. Yeah. Well, I think he but, moved away around that time too, which is probably yeah, why that happened I, as well. I think, yeah, like, he kind of moved out of that apartment around that time. He moved and to then, Hong yeah, Kong, just, I think. That's right, yeah. yeah. 
and then yeah like after that i was like oh that's fine like it is what it is totally yeah, but, yeah. You know, it was just kind of not having that back and forth a bit because i'm, I'm a super needy person yeah same <laughs> it's, it's like you have to keep telling me you're my friend otherwise i think you just hate me <laughs> And Quan doesn't play that game. No, he's he just like, Dude, he's like, relax. yeah, we're friends, we're friends. Doesn't matter. Yeah, we're fine, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, then I, I think he just went, yeah, no, fuck you, mate. <laughs> you're really, you're so annoying. You know, it's funny. I think um, I'm having a similar experience with him with this rap because he is amazing at producing tracks, backing tracks. Yeah, it's insane. And I think I've got one across that sounds kind of a bit like. 1994 Beck, like just yeah. really simple, <laughs> really simple. It sounds like that's of, his worst nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it. Um, <sighs> but everything else is, you know, he's amazing, and yeah, he, so he does it all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, anyway. I don't know how I don't know how people do that. <laughs> no, nah, I don't either. It's witchcraft. Like you hear it, and it sounds like 3D. Yeah. Like, Fuck. <laughs> Asshole! I put so much time into figuring this stuff out. I just have no idea. It's amazing. Yeah, he's definitely got the touch. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to. I'd love to do another rap thing with him one day. Yeah. Well, I well, well we did put a call out that you're gonna have to do stuff with us. You're gonna have to yeah, do it. some some kind of rap battle. <laughs> Excellent. As long as uh, actually, what'd be great is if you were the mediator. And yes. me and Juan just, we never talk again as long <laughs> as we live. But we're just like chatting through you. I don't know if That'd I can be the handle the pressure. It. Oh, it'd be intense. Because like we'll be talking about all this philosophical stuff and yeah. he'll be like, he'll be saying, like making references and I, I won't get them and I'll have to <laughs> pretend I get them. And I'll, I'll and, but you have to translate like and make it sound like I get it. To make me sound like uh, it's smart. Just, you know. <laughs> um, so I guess that sort of leads into the last question that I ask everyone. Um, what is your weirdest show experience or just the strangest thing that's happened to you um, because you do what you do, because you're a musician? What's your story? Well, I had one prepared, but then you said something earlier and I went, oh, no, that's the story. And now yeah. I've forgotten it completely. Rap battle. Rap battle. All right, that's the one. So <laughs> I was going to tell the Duran Duran story, but I feel like I tell that all the time. Yeah, Rich, just in short, though, I mean, it is a story worth telling. And if we can do it in 30 seconds. All right. Um, so the Duran Duran yeah. one is the best story of my life. Anyway, <laughs> I, I was playing Home Baker, got asked to support Duran Duran. And I said yes straight away. The dancers couldn't do it because they're like, it's tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, there's no way in hell we can do that and still keep our jobs. And I went, you guys aren't committed to the course. <laughs> I'm paying you guys 50 bucks a show. You're real assholes. Yeah. No. So anyway, they couldn't do it. So I went, yep, sure, I'll do it. Uh, I think because Lotel pulled out. That's rest right. In peace. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I got the support. Mirko, your brother, yep. the genius, uh, did the sound for me. Yep. Me and my friend Andy flew up. Yep. And we did the show and we just got booed off stage. We used Lamin Lebon's towel. We got in <laughs> heaps of trouble. We had an incredible rider. Like we both had just me and Andy had had a rider each. I think Mirko had so a whole rider to himself. <laughs> Cases of beer, bowls of booze, like food, three dressing rooms. It was insane. Anyway, piss everyone off because we're rapping about all this sex stuff everyone just thought we'll just 
lame ass eighties band like Lotel. Everyone and except then, me, can I just say Simon and I were in the audience and we were like, Yes. And <laughs> from what I found out, Jeremy Neal was in the audience. Really? Yeah. Damn. Which is incredible. So I remember being on stage and everyone standing on their seats, like old people screaming at me. Like, boo, get off, get off. Like 5,000 people or whatever it was. It was at I the Entertainment like, Centre in Brisbane. In, in Brisbane, yeah. yeah. It was like the biggest show they did on the tour. And then I remember like three or four people getting up on seats, turning around to the audience like and yelling at them <laughs> for us. And I think that was Jeremy Neal and his friends. <laughs> oh, yeah, which so is nice. so sweet. I yeah, wish we'd known amazing. each other then. I know. And he was like a baby. He would have been like two years old. Yeah, he would have been at least three maybe <laughs> <laughs> definitely no pubes <laughs> so yeah we played that show and then we turned up to the next show in melbourne and we were put into an, a closet with all the power <laughs> outlets and a six pack of warm beer <laughs> and, uh, and we go out on stage no one would look at me everyone oh. from the road crew they wouldn't talk to me uh no you know everyone just fucking hated our guts yeah Everyone. Actually, at the Brisbane show, Michael Chug was there and he came into the dressing room. I'm like, we're dead. He's like, <laughs> it looks like my dad is just going to bash me in the face. <laughs> and he's like, fuck them all. I thought you guys are great. So I was like, oh, but he owns everything. So fucking yeah. that's great. I remember yeah. you stayed at my house that night and you were like, oh, I just got booed by 5,000 people. <laughs> I'm going to need some beers. <laughs> But I, remember, I got so upset, but also I knew that was easily the best thing that would ever happen. Yeah. In my whole career. Yeah. And to this point, it still is. It is crazy that that happened. Was, I love I've it. Never, yeah, I've never had so many people that I want to piss off hate yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm nailing it. If I can <laughs> piss off this many idiots. And then I had a website, that website you were talking about, like the yeah. 90s looking thing. And I had this shit little message board on it. I was getting death threats on there. Oh my god! People like you know, people calling me uh, derogatory word uh, meanings for homosexuality. Oh, just just dirt, like you know, people just trying to just hurt me for whatever reason. Yeah, I was just like, this is the best thing. Like you're just exposing yourselves as monsters who go out once a year to see Duran Duran. Like, yeah, it was How amazing. Weird. Duran Duran fans are really hardcore really and mean. terrible people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you, I'm nicer than you guys. Unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> so tell but, me, uh, tell me yeah. your rap battle story, and this will right. be this will be the, this will be it. Yeah. So I went into that a bit more than I should have. Yeah. No. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> so the rap battle story was regurgitated with doing the um the band in a bubble thing down in Melbourne. Yes. And this is sort of around the time I did keyboards with them and stuff, and I'd just sort of become good mates with them. Yeah, it was and just before Quan, I joined. Yeah. So, like, me and Quan sort of wrote, well, he wrote this rap, and he's like, oh, you should write a rap for it. I'm not, I actually don't think I actually even had heard the song. Right. So he's just like, write a rap and come down and rap in the bubble with us. And I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome. So I was thinking I'll go down, go inside the bubble, and we'll yeah. sit down and write it out. And sort of, you know, yeah, figure out this record. rap battle. Yeah. yeah. And then figure it out. And then we would sort of go, all right, now we do a battle. But it'll be kind of like a bit of a plan to it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm working. So I I couldn't get the day off. So I, I work to, I get off work early. I fly to Melbourne. I get out. I go get in a taxi. 
get to the bubble by five o'clock or whatever. And I get up to the door. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to be let in. And then <laughs> someone's like, oh, it's just here. And then I go up to this spot and it's pissing rain and I'm soaking wet. And then I sort of, I think maybe Ben comes up to the door. I can't remember. Like, and I'm expecting them to show me how to get in. But like, yeah. oh, put on. Actually, I don't even think there were headphones. I think I had to listen to the music coming out of a little speaker or something. Oh, God. I can't remember. Everything about it was such a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and they were all in there bonkers out of their heads, like sort of just talking in their own little world and talking to me. And I'm just kind of like, you know, when you walk into a group of friends and they've got an in-joke. Yeah. And you're trying to sort of go, hey, guys, like, you know, you guys, we're all mates. And then yeah. they're like, yeah, we're mates. And they look at each other and all laugh. Oh, God. It was like that kind of vibe. Like, it was a really high well, school thing. Well, they were living on another planet. Like, they'd, yeah, been, like, they'd been living in, sleeping in public for the last, like, week, right? Yeah, like, pure isolation so in the view of the world. Like, yeah. s- such an inhuman thing. But that was the whole idea of it. But I think when they got in there, they realised how fucking insane that is. Yeah. Like, and, you know, and they went bonkers. Like, but it was yeah. fun. Like, they were out of their heads in a, a fun kind of way. Yeah. But I was on the outside. And so it was like, all right, you ready? And I'm like, uh, ready for what? And like, we're going to do it. I'm like, what? And it's on the recording. <laughs> you hear me just go, what? And my brain just goes, <laughs> 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 they just like, this is it. So I think Quan does his rap first, then I do mine, and I'm reading it off a bit of paper because I thought I would have at least three runs at it. Yeah. I wrote it on the aeroplane because I was so fucking busy. Yeah. So I didn't get any oh, time. My. And so I'm right. I did my rap, and they're like, all right, thanks. And then they just walked off, and I was oh. like, all right, I guess I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get to like chat about, oh, that was kind of rough. And then I just got back on a plane and flew back oh to Sydney. Oh, my God. It cost me like 600 bucks. <laughs> I didn't get any money for it. <laughs> and I got made to feel like an asshole and then got put as like a B-side on a single and I just sound like <laughs> the biggest fucking idiot on it. <laughs> That's so it's, rough. I'd love to hear it again. Like it, it's it's a, like that Duran Duran thing. It's yeah. like such an amazing experience. Out of body experience. so fast. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time, it's just, yeah, like when you're a fragile kind of, you go into something and you, you've got all these hopes and dreams. Like, I'm yeah. going to be on a fucking, I'm going to be on a regurgitator record. Yeah. You know, like in the, the, the weight that had for me. Yeah. And how crazy that was, like thinking. Totally. That that could, I would never think that would ever happen. Yeah. And then just <laughs> the worst fucking experience. <laughs> and then just feeling so sad. Oh. But then. You know, you look back on it and it's kind of the best. And good things came out of it. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. you know, uh, don't know what they <laughs> yeah, are. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this podcast. It's a good story, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good story. No, it's like, I, I, uh, I haven't listened to that for a long time, but I remember the last time I listened to it, I'm like, fuck, this is, this is incredible. <laughs> like, you can hear my brain explode. Yeah, and you're on it's, the DVD. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. With, oh, right. I've ha- I couldn't watch it. Like I couldn't watch the the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I've never seen it. I've yeah, never seen I think you're on it. it. Yeah, because I um they gave oh, me a no. DVD like when I first joined or something, and or when that when that DVD came out, 
And they were like, wa- don't I- do this. <laughs> no, I watched about- <laughs> if you're gonna be If you're going to be an outsider in this fucking band, don't do what this dude did. <laughs> Come prepared. <laughs> it's a tough DVD to watch because it's just like, you know, there's no there's no conflict in that band. You know, like they, they were just a band that went into a bubble and recorded. There's no yeah. real like like suspense or, or fighting or anything. So I was just like watching my friends talk about about boring stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I think the biggest conflict with that was when Jabba was sneaking drugs in or something, Yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah, yeah. like, I never got to see it because I didn't have Foxtel. Oh, I'll send you so, the um... DVD. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Listen to us 90s idiots. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll post a DVD to you. Great. I'll drop box it. I'll I'll rip it and drop box it. <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> but I'm but pretty sure you're on it. I'll try and find it. I'm pretty sure I'm in the rain with like a hood on. Yeah, yeah, like, you're wearing a hoodie. Was, yeah. And yeah. I, I wasn't actually doing it to look rap. I was doing yeah. it because I was getting wet. And, and you I came just, from uh, work. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that I'll be inside. <laughs> <laughs> God, oh, well, it really sounds like I'm, I get I get let down so much by those guys, but they're so sweet. I love, like I don't I don't I, I want to go on the record and say I don't have any bad feelings. It's just the two stories I've chosen to share are the sad ones. <laughs> oh look, I think um, I think it's just one of those beasts. Like that band has been through a lot, and there's lots of people on the outside uh, that have lots of weird little stories. It's just one of those days you don't want to yeah. wake up. <laughs> Every, you know, everything's fucked. Everybody sucks. You know. Well, that's the that's the perfect way to end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for talking to me, Brent. Uh, thank you. I hope I hope I didn't ramble and it wasn't too boring. No, nah, I'm gonna edit half of it out. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> just edit out all my bits. Then it'll sound great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good Thanks, just to, get to chat for this long. <laughs> cool. All right. Do we have to? Do I have to say like a uh, 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 keep it weird or something like that? Pete Holmes guy. Yeah, that'd be great. Just enjoy oh, enjoy off. your burrito. Oh man, that's so crazy. Like I can't even believe it. <laughs> Fuck that dude sucks. I like that Pete Holmes podcast though. I haven't heard but, uh, it. Oh really? Oh dude, yeah. listen to that. It's okay. really great. All right. So I uh, I um. Uh, no, he has a sign-off. I've listened to like a million of those podcasts. Yeah, and I can't Just remember think of nothing. It now. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's given me so much uh, nice uh, emotional direction. I'm like, yeah, that's great. And then at the end, they're like, hey, keep it beautiful or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> keep it crispy. That's it. You go. He makes everyone say, keep it crispy. Oh, I don't have. So one you of need those. something like that. You need it's a and he's on Nerdist, so it's like. Maybe they make him do that. Maybe I should I get everyone to talk about sick grooves. <laughs> keep keep grooves sick. Keep your grooves sick. <laughs> we can you can definitely come up with a better one. But for now, keep your grooves sick. Peace. Hold up. 